Hey, everybody, welcome to What's Up with Pastor Chuck, and I am super excited we get to be together. And uh, remember, I promised you that we would actually delve into two uh, areas of uh, that, that are important to you and important to me and important to life. Uh, and we're going to talk about leadership and relationships. So uh, we're going to start leadership today. And I want to dig into that. And I'm super excited because Marlon's here with me right now. And so is Lauren and Chris and Tim are in the back. And Tracy is online. Uh, She had to do this all online right now. So she's online with us. But I want you to think about this with me. Ready? The U.S. Department of Labor says the number one reason people leave their jobs is what? I'm going to tell you the answer. But the U.S. Department of Labor. What is the number one reason people leave their jobs? And the answer is this. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel appreciated. Um, How about this? 65% of Americans say they received no recognition in the workplace in the last two years. In two-year period of time, 65% of Americans say, I was never shown any appreciation. Um, how about this? When they ask managers why people leave their jobs, the 88% of them believe that money is the reason they leave their job. But the studies show that only 12% leave their jobs over money. 88% leave because of job satisfaction, which primarily comes down to, do they feel appreciated? Marlon, I appreciate you. And Laura and I appreciate you and Tracy, wherever you are out there in the virtual world, appreciate by, by the way, did you guys catch that's kind of a test of how I am as your boss? Like, do you feel appreciated? Do you feel loved? Uh, Chris is in the back. We don't know what he's thinking. Uh, Tim Raw Adams, too. But you know what? I as I was getting ready for this, I had to kind of look in the mirror and go, how do I do when it comes to that? When I really, really show that I care about the people that work for me and I care uh, actually uh, that actually serve the Lord here at the church with me more than work for me. And do I show them appreciation? Do I show them value? Because in the end, that's what people want more than money. Now, we still need to pay a good wage and you need to earn a good wage. But the reality is when it comes down to leadership, Leaders need to make sure the people they're leading know they're valued and it's they know it, not just you say it to them. Like, I probably say that to you guys, but do you feel it would be the question. Do you really feel valued? And, uh, and, and do the other people that you work with on staff feel that way too? So get ready. You can't talk about leadership, and I would know this. And all the people that work at here with me have to probably go, wait, is Chuck living this out? Um, so you know what? This is kind of like a come to Jesus moment, which by the way, it really is a come to Jesus moment because Jesus is the greatest leader who ever lived. And so as we begin to spend a couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks talking about leadership, I, I want to really focus on Jesus. Now, if you're tempted to think, okay, this podcast is not for me, that's not true. Some way, in some shape, in some form, you probably are leading somebody. Now, my dream is to help everybody go to the highest level of potential they have to fulfill the greatest calling God has for them. Uh, And by the way, I'm not just saying this. I really see in Lauren a lot of really sharp leadership ability. I see in Marlon a lot of ability to lead in great ways. Uh, Chris already is, I think, one of, would you guys agree Chris is a great leader? 
Like he's coming and transforming this place in the way he leads. Uh, Tim Adams, people love working with him and for him. And so we have a, a church staff and a church leadership t- uh, culture where we want everybody to experience what God's greatest calling is in their life, which means they rise to the highest level of influence they possibly can. If you're a parent, <laughs> you're supposed to be a leader. <laughs> If you're a husband, then you're, you know, then your wife's the leader. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Okay, maybe too soon, too soon. Okay, but the idea is, is that we would learn from Jesus the way to lead. And here's what Jesus said about that. In Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28, this is, to me, always the starting point of great leadership. So where is that starting point found? In Matthew 20, verse 25, Jesus called them, the people he was leading to himself and said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. He said, you know, that's true. You know that in the Roman culture we live in, the Roman society that has affected us, that the reality is this, they lord it over people. In other words, if they have a position of authority, they use that position uh, to actually boss people around. That's what Jesus is saying. And by the way, I want to say this. I believe a great leader never bosses anybody around. I believe a great boss doesn't boss anybody around. Um, and I think that's what Jesus is saying. Matter of fact, I don't, I'm not going to mitigate. Jesus is clearly saying that's the case here. You don't boss people around. You don't lord it over them. You you don't exercise that kind of authority. You have to have a better way of doing authority. And Jesus said, they're great men exercise authority over them. And he goes, but it is not that way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Who wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is saying servant leaders are the leaders who lead best. Uh, By the way, I don't want you to miss that. Someone who's a servant leader is the one who leads best. And so we want to learn from Jesus. Uh, He said, you know what? We don't lord it over people. As a matter of fact, I believe this with all my heart. A great leader empowers people to be able to lead others. And, and make make influence, do things of influence. Um, one of the things I always hope that I do and we do here is that we equip people, empower people, and energize people uh, to do great things in their life. So, and, and we try to do that in all ages and all grades. So my son, Tim, when he was leading our children's ministry, he actually took fifth and sixth graders and he equipped them, empowered them and energized them to go out and lead others by serving them. And uh, I, I, you know, what's so weird. He did that years ago here at Crossroads. And to this day, I bump into people, most of whom now have graduated from college that say the most influential leader in my life was your son, Tim, because he, and they don't always use those same words, but they talk about it, that Tim equipped them to do great leadership. Then he empowered them to do great leadership and he energized them to do great leadership And he did that with fifth graders and sixth graders who, by the way, did do amazing things then and are doing them now. And so we want to be people who do that all the time. So great leaders don't lord it over people. Um, Jesus, Jesus, when he was uh, leading, he took the 12 and he equipped them. Then he empowered them 
and then he sent them out to do great leadership. Then they came back and and he debriefed with them how they did. And then he caused their leadership level to rise. Then Jesus took that same principle of leadership and that he applied to the 12 and he applied it to the 70 and he sent them out in twos. And, And what did he do? He appointed them. He organized them. He sent them out in pairs. And then he sent them to specific cities and places where they could make a difference. And Jesus said, when you do it the way I'm telling you to do it, the kingdom of God will come to that place. And so Jesus gave them incredible power to do great things, but he never lorded it over them. He served them as he did it. And so we want to be that kind of a person too. When I think about the twelve. The 12 that Jesus raised up to change the world, actually only 11. Well, actually all 12 changed the world because Judas betrayed Jesus. That caused him to die on the cross, which was world changing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Never mind. All right. So Luke chapter nine, verse one, and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority. Let's stop there. Did you catch what Jesus did? He gave them power. He gave them authority. Probably nothing's more frustrating than to be given a job, but not be given the power or authority to do your job. So I want you to think about that again. Because a lot of people I know who are very, very dissatisfied with where they work, they're called to do something, to enact something, to make something occur, but they're not given the authority to do it or the power to do it. And that is a horrible culture to live in. It's a horrible culture to work in. And it's not the culture, by the way, that Jesus says is best. It's not the culture, by the way, of the church. So all of us at church together, when when we call somebody to a position, we want to then give them the power and the authority to fulfill that position, to be able to make changes, to be able to do things. Um, and, And by the way, you end up with way, way, way better results because of that. And so Jesus said, if you're going to be a great leader, a servant leader, then the number one thing you do is you empower other people and you make sure they have the authority to enact whatever they need to do to fulfill the responsibility. And I believe, by the way, the freedom to do it based on their giftedness, their talents, and their creativity. And so you you begin to get the best results from that. The best things happen from that. And what happens is that creates job satisfaction job satisfaction. And remember the number one reason people leave their jobs in the United States is because they're not satisfied with their job and they don't feel appreciated. So Jesus then did this in verse two, it says he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And he gave them the power to heal, by the way. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, nor uh, do not even bring two tunics. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that city. And as for those who do not receive you, as you go out from that city, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony for them. Departing, they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. And when they came back, they said, Lord, look at all that happened. And they could not contain the joy they had from all they got to do. And so that's one of the dreams I have as a leader is that everybody, no matter what position they have, they're finding immense value and satisfaction in what they get to do and how they get to do it. And so, you know what, if I am the leader I want to be, that would be true of the people who are a part of of our 
culture here at the Crossroads family. But then what I want to do is get other people to discover the joy of doing that. If you're a teacher in school, how do you create that amongst your students? Or how do you create that amongst the other teachers you lead? Uh, If you're a, a person who supervises other people at work, how do you make sure that you bring out the giftedness they have and let them soar to levels that are beyond anything you can imagine? And so you and I want to be those kind of leaders. And when you do, you're leading the way Jesus wants you to lead. See, Jesus not only did that with the 12, he did it with the 70. In Luke chapter 10, it says this. Now, by the way, notice the other passage was in Luke 9. So after this worked with the 12, one chapter later, Jesus is now going to do that with the 70. And it says, now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs to every city where he was going to come. So there was a very specific plan in place that Jesus had. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, I beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go, go, he said. And so he sent them out. He sent them out and he sent them out to to actually go out and make huge differences. Here's the thing. He chose them. He organized them. He paired them up to be in a team and he empowered them to do something great. And you know what? I know that God wants you and I to, to live out that way. Leaders, I think, lead best when they lead in teams and they get the best out of the people that they're, they're serving with or they're enacting with or they're seeking to do mission critical things with. And so where am I going? The whole point of what I'm trying to make is this, is that if I'm going to lead the way Jesus led, then I have to give people power. I have to give them authority. I have to cheer them on when they do great. And when they stumble, I have to come alongside them and say, how can we get better together? How can we do this together? How can we make a bigger bigger difference together? Now, uh, I alluded to this before, but I want to go back to something. One of the greatest experts on leadership is a man named Jim Collins. And he wrote a book that I think is still an incredible book called Good to Great. He also wrote another one called Built to Last. But he studied great cultures of leadership. And Jim Collins said the greatest leader who's ever lived is Jesus because he considered him what was called the level five leader. Now, what does that mean? According to Collins, there are five levels of leadership. Level one is you're highly capable and you can go out and create things and make things happen. But the problem with the level one leader, they can't transfer that to others very well. So they're able to do great things but they can't train up other people to do it. So it's never going to rise above them. Then level two is people who can actually work in a team. Notice that leadership rises when you can work in a team, when you're a great team member. And then level three is where you can actually train others to do what you're doing. And so you can actually create uh, an ability to coach people on the team. And then level Four is where you find yourself able to catalyze commitment to the team and spur people to go out and do even more than they would normally do. But then level five is the greatest level of leadership where you have high confidence, but high humility. A level five leader always is wanting to take the blame, but he wants to give the praise to everybody else. In other words, a level five leader knows the buck stops with them. And so when something goes wrong, they look at themselves. When I don't see somebody on our team performing well, 
If I'm going to be a level five leader, I've got to ask the question, what did I do wrong? Not what are they doing wrong? What, what did I not do to train them? What did I not do to equip them? What did I not do to make clear to them what needed to be accomplished? Where did I not give them all the resources they needed? Where did I come up short? And so in the end, a great leader starts by asking in a moment where things didn't go well, what could I have done better to help them do better? Not what did they do wrong? And then you begin to work together as a team to get it right. Now, on the other hand, according to Collins, if you're a level five leader, a Jesus style leader, when things go great, then what I want to do is make sure everybody knows who it is that accomplished that who it is that made it happen. So I want to make sure they get the credit they deserve. I personally want to give it to them, but I want to make other people know that they were the ones who did it, that they were the ones who I looked to, that they were the ones who went out and, 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 and made the tackle or, or you scored the, the basket or, or hit the home run. And I don't want to make it about me. See, that's what's so interesting that Collins found is the great leaders don't make it about them. By the way, uh, we are at a time in our country where we're, I believe, experiencing a crisis of leadership. Um, I don't know if you'll agree with that, but I'm going to just tell you I believe that with all my heart. That what we're seeing right now in our nation is a crisis of leadership. And I think one of the things you begin to spot is we don't seem to have that leader anymore who is willing to make it about others and not about themselves, who's willing to lift others up and, and fuel them to go do great things. They're looking for other people to lift them up and make sure they get the acclaim and they get the notice. And maybe it's part of the celebrity culture we live in. Maybe it's the part of the idea that we always want to make sure we look our best. But in the end, I think we're seeing what Jesus saw in the day of the Roman Empire. He said, you know what? The leaders all around you, they lord it over others. They boss people around. They tell other people what to do. But they're not the way we're supposed to lead because the greatest among you is supposed to be a servant. So the greatest leader is a servant leader. And I think if we look at some of the greatest leaders of the past in our nation, we would probably say they were servant leaders. They were people who did it so that the rest of the country would aspire to greatness. Uh, George Washington, the first president of the United States, shocked everybody when he refused to run for a third term. By the way, let me say this. There's no way with his popularity he wouldn't have won a third term. But according to historians and those who study him, the reason Washington didn't run for a third term is he did not want to establish a legacy of him being a dictator or a monarch. He wanted to establish a democracy that allowed other people to rise up and lead. He was energetic enough. He was young enough. He was popular enough. But he said, I'm not going to make it about me. Now, all these years later, we actually don't have a monarchy. We don't have a dictatorship. We have a democracy. And uh, if there's a lot of other people that fed into that. But it's interesting. It started with our first president saying, I'm not going to make it about me. I'm not going to run for a third term. I'm going to lift other people up. I think that's kind of interesting. 
And I think that when you begin to understand leadership, you begin to understand that. Who is it that's shining out? Who is it that's doing better? Who is it that's being lifted up? Who is it that you're equipping, empowering, and energizing? Who's experiencing that from you? If you do that, you're going to give them appreciation and they're going to have high job satisfaction. And I believe with all my heart, then they'll live out and do the best in their lives. So that to me is the essence of the foundation of leadership. And so that's our first podcast on leadership. I hope it gets you excited. We're going to talk about more things about leadership. I do want to, and I think it's in a week or two, talk about what it means for women to be in leadership, especially in the church, but how we have women soar in their leadership ability and how men actually do better when we're all leading better together. So we'll be getting to that soon. So anyway, that's my podcast for today. That's the What's Up with Pastor Chuck for the moment. I hope you lead by serving others and you lead by empowering others. God bless you and have a great week.